Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today's show is particularly timely because um, we are somewhat on the brink of war, depending with Iran, depending upon who you speak to. We are more or less on the brink of war with Iran, but certainly it is a uh, frightening, threatening uh, situation. And... Um, it's not just the U.S. That, would, that is on the brink of war with Iran, but of course if Iran starts uh, deciding to retaliate, um, it will be Israel as well that will be uh, likely in the crosshairs. So today's show is called One Woman's Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel. And indeed, um, her experiences that I'll let her tell you about um, you know, uh, very much would be very similar to what would happen uh, if there were, if in fact Iran did decide to retaliate against Israel as well. Although probably by now it would be even uh, up a few notches. So my guest is Penny St. Uh, the The name of her book is called "Blasted from Complacency." A Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel. And she is an author, a speaker, a blogger. Um, She has a BS degree and an MBA from the University of Southern California. And she lives in California with her family. Um, The book is a story about her journey to Israel, which was to be a um, bar mitzvah trip, a a gift for her son who was just bar mitzvahed before the trip. And um, Penny, um, you, uh, I don't think, I'm not sure if I have told you this, but um, I particularly identify with your story. Not that when I was in Israel, there were no, there were no, there were no actual bombings, but there was always the threat. But um, I took my daughter to Israel for, for a bas mitzvah. Uh, she was bas mitzvahed first in, in the States, and then as uh, a present for her, my mother gave her a trip to Israel. So every time there was something happening in Israel that was scary, my mother would tell us that we should cancel the trip. We should postpone the trip. And so each time we had to postpone the trip, my daughter had to learn another Torah portion for when the next trip was going to be. So she wound up learning, having to learn three Torah portions because before we finally got to Israel, where she was bas mitzvahed at Masada. So I, I find your story particularly interesting, and, um, and, and, and the book is amazing as far as how it keeps the reader on edge to see what will finally happen. Of course, now that you're back in the States. We kind of know you didn't get killed. Spoiler alert. But, um, and that was good. <laughs> but, um, but tell us all about, just start from the beginning. I mean, obviously Penny is not going to be able to tell us every single word like she writes in her book, but she can take us on her journey with her. So take it away. Well, thank you, Dr. Carroll. I'm thrilled to be here today. And uh, we also went to Masada. Um, and, uh, anyway, but let me, let me start at the beginning. Uh, you're correct. We wanted to give our son his last, uh, uh, present for his bar mitzvah and being a Jewish mom, Jewish family, uh, it's kind of in our blood to want our kids to identify with Israel. And so there you have it why we wanted to go to Israel so that he could form that bond with Israel. And I will say, um, overnight he became an Israeli, I have to say, at least psychologically. Uh, Not the way we wanted it to happen, but certainly 
the yeah. way it did happen. And the reason for that was we saw incredible sights and ran to bomb shelters and saw incredible sights and ran to bomb shelters. It was July 2014. Um, before we left, they had just kidnapped three teenagers uh, who were hiking in Gush Etzion and a couple weeks later, unfortunately, found them dead. And then um, some settlers... Let's make that... Wait, um, Penny, let's just clarify that. um, That the Palestinians killed three... Yes. uh, Israeli kids. Israeli. Israeli kids, teenagers. Yes. And however, uh, just after that, then some Israeli settlers did retaliate and killed a uh, Palestinian teenager. So it was, I had much trepidation about whether or not we should go. I emailed several people, one of which was a rabbi, and asked if we should go. He said he felt safer going to Israel than downtown L.A. And frankly, I seemed to be the only one in our group. We were going as a family, the three of us and uh, with some people from our temple, and then we were on two consolidated um, tours because uh, we were there for two weeks and they were separate. But we didn't find out that that was going to be the case till we were already there. So we get on the plane, and we were stopping in Amsterdam first. So essentially we were landing on July 4th, 2014, um, Sounds familiar? <laughs> so, uh, the 4th of July, and unfortunately, uh-huh. the bombs did begin exploding in air. And at the time, we didn't know, but Israel, with their ingenuity, has a uh, missile tracking system that tracks incoming missiles, Palestinian missiles, in the air, and if they're going to... Uh, hit uh, a populated area in Israel, they blow them up in the sky. And that's why you don't hear about all these uh, dead or uh, injured Israelis because they take care of the problem before it has an opportunity to do the damage. In general, I mean, sometimes they get through, sometimes they they yes. hit fields, but in, in in general, that's why you don't hear about all these uh, injured or or worse Israelis, and uh, that you know the situation would be quite different if you did because we had well during that uh, war that lasted fifty days, forty five hundred. Uh, Palestinian missiles were sent into Israel. And there were very few injuries on the Israeli side and very few deaths. Um, so we actually... But there was, in, but there, wait, but there was and is um, destruction. I mean, you're talking about the Iron yes. Dome, and yes, it's an amazing, amazing protective shield. But yes. part of, also of why you don't hear about whatever... I mean, there are actually deaths and injuries in Israel, yes. but part of why you don't hear about them in the media, um, I'm not talking about specifically just during 2014, but and part of it is because of the, um, the slant that the media has um, showing more about the, the devastation in Palestine than in Israel, and you write about that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I often feel like uh, the media reports what's after the comma. In other words, before the comma, if they were being fair, they would say the Palestinians sent hundreds of missiles to Israel. Israel seems to be the only nation who gets hundreds of missiles and the world expects them not to do anything. But in fact, Mm -hmm. that happens all the time. In fact, the last few months, they've had hundreds of missiles coming into Israel. Um, And what happened at, at... this time was when the missiles kept coming uh, and Israel retaliated against what was happening. And I say retaliated, sometimes that just feels like 
too strong a word because what they did was they defended themselves. And what they were doing is the Palestinians had taken uh, U.S. money and money from around the world, and instead of building schools and 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 different uh, organ- hospitals, etc., for the Palestinian people, they used the funds to build tunnels, and they used their people as human shields and built the tunnels below any schools and hospitals, etc. And then um, Israel went to take out the tunnels because what happens is in the tunnels, the Palestinians kind of stick up their heads like weasels, shoot off the rockets, and then go down below again uh, into the tunnels. And so Israel was trying to get rid of the tunnels. And um, what I found is that uh, when I got home, and I I learned many, many things when we were on our trip that I had no idea about. Wait. Sorry? I didn't mean to throw you off track. Let's, I mean, we, we, let's go back to, you were starting to talk about, you know, when you left, and let's go back to your huh? trip, but, you know. Okay. Go back to so, so we got then, there. Then you can tell us uh, later what you learned. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I, I said then you can, let's just go back to the beginning of your trip, and we'll okay. work our way till the end of what you learned. Okay. Okay. So, so we saw absolutely incredible sights. When we first got there, actually, uh, we weren't meeting up with the tour guide until after the weekend, so that was a bit uncomfortable, uh, very uncomfortable for me. And, you know, even others on the trip, I mean, you know, here we were, the missiles had started. They weren't coming where we were. There was quite, you know, what I say is the mantra of the of the tour guides which is we'll never take you into harm's way yet I was saying but you know Palestinians have a different <laughs> idea of this so the first week um, the missiles started coming and we would be told well the missiles don't go that far and it seemed every time we moved so did the missiles and now they did go that far And finally, on July 10th, uh, when we were in Jerusalem and they had not sent missiles to Jerusalem in eight years, and um, we had a wonderful day of touring, uh, ending with the Holocaust Memorial and two packs of tissues later, and uh, I was with my friends and their daughters and my son and my husband, stayed back at the hotel, and we uh, stopped in a pharmacy. We were on our way to dinner, and we walked in, and we asked for what we were looking for, and bam, the pharmacist slammed the front door, locked it, and started waving her hands like a crazed uh, airline uh, stewardess, you know, go to the back, go to the back, you know, uh, go to the bomb shelter, and there was an alarm going off outside, and we hadn't even heard it, but Israelis are very much attuned to these things, and we're in the shelter, and we're hearing boom, boom, and you could feel really the percussion and and the sound of of the bombs exploding, and at that, that was the first time we heard about Iron Dome, and they explained that probably what we were hearing was Iron Dome exploding the missiles in the air, which it was. Um, but uh, later on our trip, you know, we, when we were in a lot, we actually, uh, there was a missile that hit the parking lot of the hotel next to us. So they don't always, they're not always capable of uh, hitting everything. And, and so that was quite scary. But that was the first time tell, that... Tell us, wait. Tell us about um, being in the bomb shelter the first time. What was that like? Did the people talk? What What did they? Did they look scared? Did they? What did they do? What did you do? Well, at this point, uh, we were in Jerusalem, and uh, you know, of course, I was scared. I was holding. I had my 
uh, hand on my son's shoulder and looking at him and looking at them. And most of their bomb shelters are either look like storerooms or they can be, you know, stairwells, kind of like if you live in California and you're told to, if there's an earthquake to go to the stairwell. Um, Israelis, where we were at that point, um, are unfortunately, this is mundane. In fact, you're told to wait 10 minutes after um, Iron Dome uh, hits the missiles because the fragments fall, have to fall to the ground. And at that particular uh, time, before the 10 minutes were up, an Israeli businessman um, just walked out before the 10 minutes, and I asked, well, why is he already walking out? And they said, well, not everybody waits. And it becomes more of some Israelis look at it like, uh, really, you know, like the missiles are flies on an ass, just bother, you know, irritating them, and others not. If you live in Sederot, uh for instance, which is a, or Ashkelon, about a mile from Gaza, those poor people are getting hit oftentimes daily, and oftentimes they have to spend, and their kids have to spend days in the bomb shelter. And when we were in Ilat, in fact, which is the southernmost part of of Israel, and we uh, had been coming down to uh, go to Ilat, because we eventually were going to Petra, Jordan. And um, at that time, we were in bomb shelters three times. So the first time was 1 a.m., and we, uh, the Alarms went off, and we ran to bomb shelters, into the bomb shelter, and um, I saw an Israeli woman, and her eyes were like saucers. And usually Israelis, you know, they're used to this, and I was not used to looking at an Israeli who was so scared. And what it turned out, you know, stupidly, you know, when you're in that circumstance, you don't, that you're not used to, you know, and it's part of my nature anyway. So I looked at her and I said, well, are are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. Um, We're from Sederot and we came down here to get away from this and there's no escape. Mm. And and mm. that was she was clutching her child to her chest. It was it, it was just so sad, so sad. I it's it's nothing like I had ever experienced, and nothing that I really wanted to experience again. Although uh, that day we did uh, at five a.m. and six a.m. again end up run, running to bomb the bomb shelter. Um, Okay, well, so, well, Penny, let's take um, a break now, and sure. when we come back, you can uh, continue, take, because we kind of jumped from the first time going into right. the bomb shelter to already the other times, and there's a lot in between, so, mm-hmm. um, so we'll, we'll, we'll start back with that when we come back. Um, sure. My guest is Penny S.T. The name of her book um, is Blasted from Complacency. A Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel. And I think you're getting a feel for just how, um, you know, what that experience is like for someone coming from America to, and Penny had been to Israel once before, so this wasn't just her first time. We'll talk about all that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today with Penny S.T. about one woman's journey from terror to transformation in Israel. And what's so cool about this, cool, I guess, maybe that's, um, what's so cool about this is that on the verge of war with Iran, um, you're hearing a, just an, like she likes to call herself in the book, um, an ordinary mom, you know, an ordinary Jewish mom who didn't have an axe to grind, isn't, wasn't political, um, didn't really have any specific uh, agenda when she went to Israel except to give her son the trip of a lifetime, encouraging his love for Israel as a gift for his bar mitzvah. So before we get back and rejoin Penny on her trip, uh, that's the 2014 trip, I just wanted to ask you, Penny, to give us a little bit of a background of your trip from 1989, um, just so that you could compare the two. Sure. Uh, in 1989 was a time period during the first intifada, and it's described by the Palestinians as a nonviolent protest, uh, which is really a misnomer. I mean, they're throwing... Um, uh, stones at IDF soldiers. They are, in today's world, they are sending uh, what most people think of a child's toy, a balloon. But they make them incendiary devices and they've been responsible for burning down all these uh, Israeli forests they do car rammings and they do bombings, and all of this is considered uh, today as well because uh, it, it just hasn't stopped. Uh, what you hear all the time on the news as uh, in East Jerusalem, the protests against what they consider uh, the Israeli occupation. So... It really, it's, it's carried on year after year and is quite frightening. Um, but, um, you know, as our tour guide said, we just, we don't take you to East Jerusalem. However, we were in many places, you know, we would be, um, you know, when we were in Lebanon and, or by the border and we could see you know, Lebanon was right there and, you know, et cetera. I mean, there were plenty of occasions where we did go to places that uh, we hear of are not the places that uh, Jews should go to, uh, but it was on, on our, our itinerary. However, I have to say the only time we changed our itinerary, even with uh, what... And again, it, it, Israel is an interesting place. It's what, you know, what point do you call something a war? I 
you know, even back in researching, I, I never quite got that answer, but this turned out to be called Operation Protective Edge. Um, wait, wait, and... it's getting a little, could you, wait, wait, Penny, sure. could you please clarify, um, you're not talking, now you're back to talking about 2014. Yes. Could you please yes. clarify in, about 1989, were you scared then at all? I was, but we were then not going anywhere near um, those areas. And it was the beginnings of the Intifada and the beginnings of, of you know, the protests and the stone throwing, et cetera. Um, now... This is so many years later, and it's gotten much worse. And uh, so, in today's world, it's it's uh, you know from 1989 to 2019, so many years, and and it's it's gotten much more violent and much more pervasive. As so, you know, when action. you so. So um, even though, you know, it was the beginning of the Intifada and all that in 1989, um, you didn't come back with uh, a feeling that it was a super dangerous place or else you wouldn't have given this as a gift to your son for his bar mitzvah. Um, So when you set out for this trip, when you set out for this trip in 2014, um, Mm -hmm. you weren't really expecting, you know, what you got other than, a few days before you set off, there was this skirmish, <laughs> this problem yeah. that, that uh, kind of got both sides to, um, uh, well, both sides. That got, you know, it started off with the Palestinians killing three teen uh, Israeli boys. So, okay, so take us back again. Continue with your trip. But one of the things that really interested me in your book was how um, you did start off, and as you were saying earlier, you before you even left on the trip, you contacted your rabbi and you contacted some other people to ask. You, you did have some queasiness, but um, but you went and um, and you were saying about how you know at the beginning the guide wasn't yet you didn't yet uh, hook up with the guide until a couple of days later, um, mm-hmm. and then of course he was all being all very reassuring. So, but along the way, as things happened, like I guess starting with the first. Um, time that you had to go to the bomb shelter. After that, people in your group um, who you had come with started dropping like flies, not, not, not being killed, but dropping like flies out of fear and going home. Yes, yeah, some, people, some people definitely were, and uh, others weren't. And it, knowing what the right thing is to do, for me, was extremely confusing because I always wanted to leave. I didn't think it was the right place to be uh, with our son. And yet, you know, we would talk to the tour guide and he'd be very reassuring that we're going, you know, to far away from wherever things were happening, um, you have to remember that all Israelis uh, in the the U.S. were so privileged. We have our kids. We raise our kids. They graduate high school, and they go off to college, uh, many of them. Or they go and they they get a job or whatever they do, they have a free choice. In Israel, both men and women go from high school to the, the service, whatever service you know, whether it's their their army, their navy, air force. But that's mandatory, uh, and so. Uh, our guide, for instance, had been on several tours of duty, and he he was, um, I'd say, kind of a macho <laughs> kind of guy, you know, who, you know, this is nothing new, you know, they've been trying to destroy us all these years, and it hasn't happened, and and so on and so forth, and 
you know, that was his his attitude and part of this too. And, I and think. actually, and and he wasn't, you know, trying to like fool you or anything. Like he had no. said about is uh, Jer- Jerusalem hadn't been attacked in eight years, and right. in his mind and in lots of people's minds, um, it wasn't going to be attacked this time either. But as you were starting to say, um, this this during this war, um, the the Palestinians were encroaching more and more on places that they hadn't necessarily bombed before. Right. And and they were getting uh, uh, weapons that uh, went further, which they hadn't before. Weapons and, what? Uh, they what were getting weapons can... that had not been able to go as far before, but then did. Uh-huh. So yes. those were surprises as well. Yeah, he wasn't mm-hmm. trying to to lie to us. It's just, you know, this particular skirmish had some surprises mm-hmm. that, you know, so tell weren't us, So tell us what it was like. Tell us what it was like between the conversations between you and your husband and your son and as each, you know, other families, you saw them leave the hotel and so on. What did the three of you talk about, or the two of you? I know you tried to protect your son yes. from some of these conversations. Yeah, it seemed every night when my son was taking a shower, it was a, a discussion of back and forth and of, you know, I wanted to go. We were going from there to France. And I thought a few more days on the Champs-Élysées sounded just right. (laughs) And I didn't really want any of us to be dodging missiles. And throughout Israel, um, for instance, uh, we uh, ended up from Tel Aviv, you know, working our way up north. And Israel is just... um, has many places that just aren't safe. We had a blast in the Golan Heights, and I'm reading, you know, Golan Heights, it says, you know, because we were getting, I had signed up for government notices. So we're getting a lot of confusing notices because the U.S. government would say, if you are U.S. personnel, you cannot go into the Golan Heights for instance. And I'm saying, well, does that mean us? You know, are they worried Mm -hmm. that their people have information that if they were captured and forced to talk, they have information? We obviously didn't have such a thing. But nobody could tell us how to evaluate that. And if you called, you got, just follow what your tour guide says. And so, you know, it, it was very confusing, but like I was saying about the Golan Heights. So we're uh, on a Jeep ride, having a blast, um, you know, bouncing around. And um, as, as is my nature, expletives were popping out of my mouth with every bump. <laughs> but um, then we come up to the sign and in Hebrew, Arabic, and English, it says danger mines, you know, by where we're having a blast. And so they use um, drivers who know what they're doing. But, you know, Israel has a lot of situations that to people who live there, they're much more acclimated to uh, than we are here, although unfortunately now with what's in the news, it, it, it is uh, not only in Iran, but with the anti-Semitism and stabbings, etc., we're yeah. right now getting a taste of what Israelis go through all the time, and, and it's horrific, and we all want it to stop. I mean, yes, I would yes. I would hate for us to have to live like they do. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good point. Um, okay. Um, so, so what was your son saying during all this time? Was he saying 
mom, you know, enough is enough. I want to go home. I mean, no. you, you were, sounds like, no, he wasn't saying that. No, he, was, he had the arrogance of a 13-year-old. <laughs> you know, he, he, it was, or, or, or I would say an Israeli. He became an Israeli overnight. It mm-hmm. was, you know, they're trying to kill us. They need to take them out. Mm-hmm. And I, I was shocked. I was shocked because I, I, I am a very peace-loving, <laughs> you know, type person. But, um, you know, to say we wanted him to bond with Israel, that happened immediately. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So has he, um, well, we're going to get into in a little bit about how it's changed each of you. I want to talk about how it changed him, too. But mm-hmm. um, before, we leave, before we leave this trip, well, um, one of the things that you write about in the book is about how um, Israel gives warnings to the Palestinians, to the areas where they're going to bomb, and Absolutely. they drop leaflets in Arabic Absolutely. and to, tell, to try to warn people in um, Palestinian-occupied areas um, yes. that they're going to be bombed and t- yes. tell, you know, tell the rest of the story about what the Palestinian government tell their people. Yeah, they, they not only drop leaflets. In today's day and age, they actually call their house and they text them and say, at 8 o'clock... We are going to bomb your your facility, whatever that is, or house or school, because the their leadership has used their labor, including child labor, to build these tunnels beneath these facilities, and that's where the missiles are coming from. So Israel says we got to stop these missiles, but they forewarn them. We, they, Israel is not interested in killing Palestinians, and that's something that is not portrayed on the news. However, mm-hmm. they are interested in stopping the missiles. And so they tell them exactly that what they're going to do, and their leadership tells them it's a lie, it's not going to happen, it's made up, because unfortunately... They seem to have made their people currency, political currency that's more valuable to them dead than alive. And it's a disgusting thing to observe and to say, but Israel does forewarn these people that, you know, basically we don't want to hurt you. Not that they take time to say that, but that, that's they 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 don't want to hurt people, but they have to stop the missiles because uh, the one thing that you every other country um, civilians being harassed and targeted is unacceptable and a war crime, but for some reason other countries don't defend Israel and Israelis that they live with this their kids. Uh, I'm going to have to stop you here because we have to sure. take a break. Um, but yes, I just want to clarify one quick thing, and that is when you were saying about how the, uh, the government doesn't do- tell the Palestinians, you know, it's not going to happen, it's a lie, don't believe what the Israelis are saying, that they're going to dist- bomb this facility or this area, um, because you were saying they use the people like currency, yes, because they make great uh, pictures on television and make it seem like, you know, everybody should hate Israel because Israel is killing all these people. All right, we need to take a break. Um, My guest is Penny S.T. Again, her book um, is called Blasted from Complacency, A Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel. When we come back, we'll hear about how she was blasted. I mean, she was literally blasted, but um, we'll hear how this has changed her life and the life of her family. So stay tuned. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about one woman's journey from terror to transformation in Israel with the person who wrote a book uh, called From Complacency... Blasted from Complacency, A Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel, and that's Penny S.T., the guest today, and she's been telling us all kinds of interesting stories, and um, I was saying during the break to tell us some stories, some, some bomb-sheltered stories, like what it was like, you know, I was just imagining that if I were in a bomb shelter, um, I, would be, um, I would be scared out of my wits, but I would also be looking around, you know, the psychiatrist in me would want to be looking at everybody else and um, trying to figure out what's going through their minds. So tell us about, you know, you and your, and your family and what you observed in other people who were in the bomb shelter. Well, I would say, obviously, you know, we all are, you know, are individual and we all react uh, differently, but I would say there were people, particularly at the beginning, when things were the bombings were status quo, um, something they've been through so many different times. The attitude was more of you know, can we get over this? We have a soccer game to get to. Uh, you know, there were teenagers over in the corner texting to people and giggling and acting like teenagers. Um, but the reality of the situation, and, and, and as it got further and the bombs became a little bit more unusual going further and bombing Jerusalem, which is something that they hadn't done in eight years, etc., then um, even Israeli attitudes were uh, becoming more um, concerned. And, of course, we were, when we were in a lot, and I told you about when we were 1AM in the bomb shelter, uh, when we were coming down from uh, northern Israel uh, through the mid midsection to the very south part of Israel, um, we were caught in a traffic jam. And I asked the guide is this normal? And he said, no. And he said, the reason for the traffic jam is a lot is a resort. One thing that people might not, I mean, in my head, whenever I thought of Israel, it was a desert. Well, there's a lot of places in Israel that are resorts and, and by the Mediterranean Sea and, uh, you know, is this 
you know, I have in my book, is this Tel Aviv or is this Miami, you know, because that's what it looks like. It's got uh, mm-hmm. high rises on the coast and the ocean and and because a lot of, uh, there's so many different types of Jews, like there are so many different types of Christians, you know, Protestant, uh, Catholic, um, etc. So um, different people... Uh, believe differently. So on the beaches, uh, you do see, you know, people dressed in uh, bikinis and, and uh, you know, the different skimpy outfits. And then you have some beaches that are orthodox and, on, you know, on some days they're for men and other days they're for women. And on Saturday, it's a free-for-all on the beaches because you'd never find orthodox on the beach at that time, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But, but when we're uh, making our way down um, to the south so of Israel, the... Yes, and the, he said the traffic jam was because why? Because they're trying to escape, just like that woman that we saw later that early morning said. Uh They were trying to get away from, you know, being a a mile away from Gaza and the constant bombing. They couldn't stand it, and they tried to get away and get a break, and they found that they couldn't. And Uh that was very disheartening for them as well as for us to see. Uh, I imagine, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a shriek, Dr. Carol, and I, 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 I laughed with my husband. I said, well, it's a good thing we're, we're, we're uh, talking on the radio and I'm not in her office. She might just lock me up <laughs> because, you know, I still feel like I have a little bit of PTSD when I think of, what happened? Well, imagine a nation with PTSD, because surely that has to be what Israel is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it has mm-hmm. to, you know, be, you know, on the Palestinian side, of course, too. I mean, people are not meant to be able to live with death and destruction and fear. Right. So, so tell us, because we only we don't have that much time left. Tell us about how this changed you, besides, well, besides probably a touch of PTSD. How else did it, did it affect you? <laughs> um, when I came home and I had learned, I mean, we didn't talk about the salaries that are paid uh, for Palestinians uh, to become their families. If you are a Palestinian and become a martyr by blowing yourself up or the different things that you can do to harm Israel. You are paid a salary from the PA or Hamas or folks, um, and the more Jews killed, the higher your salary. And when I heard things like this and other things, I couldn't believe it. It's beyond our U.S thinking that any of this could be true. But I came home and I researched the different things. They named their schools after terrorists, um, et cetera. So many things that I learned that just was anathema to my senses. And then I heard how Israel was portrayed on the news. And they're, they're most often portrayed like these horrible brutes that their whole intention is to kill Palestinians. And I saw the efforts that they go through to not harm people. I got mad. And I said, this, this can't be. It happened to a line I had been going on a personal transformation anyway. Um, I had just had my first class with Jean Houston, a world-renowned teacher. And... It was on finding your life's purpose. And I began to believe, other than having my son, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to teach what I learned and the truth. And I don't want people to be hurt on either side. This is, this is not how to be human or humane, but people have to know 
the truth, and and that's why I wrote my book. I also wrote my book because uh, in my what I had learned, um, I wanted my son to know how I felt. And a lot of us, we think that by living our life and our kids seeing the way we live, that they understand it. But this was this needed to be down in writing so that someday when he's older and he can understand, that he'll understand really who I was as a person. So it was a mm-hmm. combination. But that's, now I'm a, a, a writer and a speaker, and, and I believe it's what I was, this is what my purpose is, that I'm supposed to talk about what I learned and uh, work on peace, helping people find peace within themselves as well as peace, just peace in the world, peace in Israel. I've worked with and, and know now Israelis and Palestinians who work on peace together. In, in, in general, we don't hear about that you know, over here. We don't hear about there is cooperation and, and we need to have hope. We need to have hope, mm-hmm. and, and there are people doing amazing, fantastic things. But they they look at the situation with eyes wide open, and they they talk to each other. And uh, you know, talking with them, they say, you know, the Israelis say, um, you know, it's the same land, and what they're saying is exact opposite of what I think about the same land and but what they're saying there is credibility to what they're saying and, and the Palestinians the same. And it's you know, it's not all Israelis and Palestinians who are willing to do this. But you know, it's it's we need to have some hope. We need to work on peace. Well, yes, but um I think you know, I think it's important that you share your message in terms of what you've seen compared to what the media shows us. Yes. But, um, yes. you know, some, I don't know that I, um, I it's a lot more complicated. Unfortunately, yes. we're out of time. Um, mm. But anyhow, tell people where you would like them to get your book. Great. Um, uh, my website is www.penny. S like Schwartz, T E E dot com, or of course it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of the normal places where you can get your books. Okay, it's, it's available as a hardback as well as an ebook. Great, uh, and again, um, the name of the book is "Blasted from Complacency: A Journey from Terror to Transformation in Israel." So um, I'm sure people will be interested in reading more of the details. You've, you've whetted people's appetite. And, um, again, I think, I think it's great that uh, uh, you've been blasted, <laughs> literally, blasted to um, reveal some of the truth and to counteract what we are being fed in the media in terms of it being all Israel's fault. So thank you very much, Penny St. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 